Well, good afternoon. My name is Pete Londa. I'm president and CEO of Tantalus Systems, which is a publicly traded company on the Toronto Stock Exchange, where our ticker symbol is GRID, G-R-I-D. At the highest level, um, we are a technology company that is focused on helping transform electric utilities from what we traditionally think of them as businesses and companies that deliver power. We are transforming them into not only power companies, but also data companies with the goal of helping those utilities become more sustainable and most importantly, more reliable in delivering the power that we all consume every day. I joined the company in 2014 and was recruited by the board of directors when it was still privately held. Um, my high level of my background is I started my career in investment banking. Uh, from investment banking, joined a software development firm. Uh, I'm not smart enough to write zeros and ones in terms of code, but I learned an awful lot about how to run and what uh, a software business looks like. Um, over the years, I migrated into what's called the smart grid industry, which is helping migrate the electric grid infrastructure that we rely on every day into a smarter grid. It, it means using data from devices and converting that data through software and analytics into information to help utilities make better decisions. And so I was brought into the board, uh, into the company by the board of directors in 2014. Um, have led the business and, and really helped it scale to a point where we could go public last year. Uh, we started trading in February of 2021 and are just starting our journey now as, as a publicly traded company reporting quarterly. So I appreciate the time to, uh, that everyone's allocating and, and the opportunity to educate interested investors. Pete, good to meet you. Uh, in fact, good to have you on the show. We're like a, a, alternative investment ideas. Um, and hopefully we've got one here today. Um, right, so you, you're talking about smart grids and you know, more, more, more efficient uh, grid systems is kind of effectively what you do. For most people, it's gonna seem quite technical and a little bit complicated. And indeed, if I look at your website, lots of products and three letter acronyms that I've, I've got to wrap my head around. But as an investor, I wanna understand what precisely it is that you do. So what's the problem that you're actually solving? You gave some clues there, but can you, can you, you know, hone it down for us? Sure. So if, if we think about um, how we live every day, um, we all are electrifying every aspect of our life, whether that's for work, whether that's at home, um, whether that's to power our iPhones and the incremental number of computing devices, and even more broadly, we're starting to electrify our transportation. And I don't own an electric vehicle yet, but I do have a reservation and I'm waiting patiently um, for the Ford F-150 Lightning when I can finally get one as it comes out of production. But if, if you think about what that means, the electrification of everything in our life, it puts a significant amount of stress on utilities because we all expect in the Western world that when we go home to turn the lights on, they'll turn on, or that when we buy an electric vehicle, we'll have sufficient power at our homes or the businesses where we work to power that vehicle. Well, that's not so simple. And so what we do at the highest level is are trying to migrate the utility industry, which is really the last industry to digitize um, and, and turn the grid that they rely on every day to deliver power to us into 
an intelligent, responsive, and predictive machine so that they can be much more reliable, more efficient, help to improve the environment, and, and also most importantly, respond to changes that are unfolding at our homes and at our businesses. Right. Hopefully, hopefully that makes sense. Yeah, well, it, it's, it's kind of, well, it, it, I'm trying to look for a slightly more succinct, right? My, my business model is, so maybe you should start with it, with, with the kind of universe that you're operating in, because your, your customers are utilities. And I, I suspect uh, US utilities, or is it North American utilities more broadly? We support 265 utilities today across the United States, Canada, and the Caribbean basin. That's our regional focus today. Right. And so what's, what's your revenue? Our revenue last year was 32.2 million US dollars. We've provided guidance for this year to grow revenue by approximately 20 to 25%, which would bring us up to 38 and a half to 40 million US dollars of revenue. Right. So 260 worth of, well, d divide that by 265 utilities, average size of, of, of per contract is what? You know, it, it, it varies, but right. um, the average size of the utility that we support is about um, a $2 million ticket for us, give or take. Um, and what happens is when a utility selects us, we are deploying devices in the field. Um, we get paid up front for those devices. I'll, I'll give you an example of that momentarily. And then once those devices are deployed, they are typically installed for a minimum of 12 to 15 years. Those devices provide us with access to data around how people consume power, when they consume power, and then the power quality itself. And from that data, we are building a suite of enterprise software and artificial intelligence, AI-enabled analytics. And it's based on that data that we extract from the field for a utility that allows them to make smarter decisions on upgrades on identifying assets that might fail, which could lead to a, a fire, um, on responding when there is an outage because Mother Nature, you know, shows up with extreme weather and and takes down utility infrastructure. So when does that happen? Where is it going to happen? What can the utility do to try to be more resilient in the face of Mother Nature? Let me come back to the money. I, I, I get the I get the electrification, decarbonization, and, and, and extreme weather components to, to the story, but and we'll we'll spend some time on that one. But I want to talk about the money side. Two hundred sixty-five utilities. I mean, uh, do you, how do you break this down in, in terms of size? There's going to be your I, Pareto rule. You're twenty percent delivering eighty percent of your revenue. Twenty percent of your clients delivering eighty percent of your revenue type structure, but you. Signing them up is good, but some of them are not worth very much. Some of them may go on to be more and more revenue to, to you as you deploy your hardware. Um, how do you move them through the phases? And, you know, and, and what's, the, what's the ultimate goal here? I mean, what, what's, your, what's your most important customer worth to you? And is that the optimum level of revenue for you or can you continue to grow with them? So there's a couple of ways to try to address that question. The largest utility we support um, is responsible for and manages and owns approximately 200,000 electric meters. The smallest utility we, we support has fewer than a thousand electric meters that they're responsible for. And so just, just to give everybody an example, I'll, I'll do a little show and tell this. Might awesome. Help. Let's do it. Okay. <laughs> so on everybody's home or on a building, or on an industrial plant, you would find an electric meter. Looks okay. like this, Yeah, plugs into the side of a home yeah. or a building, 
And you'd see an LCD screen here in North America that starts to spit out a couple of numbers to track what power is being generated. Got it. Okay. The face of the meter looks like this. That's the same thing. Yep. What we build is not the meter. We build what looks like the guts of your iPhone or your handheld device. This is an edge computing device with a custom ASIC chip to process, analyze data, wireless communications, radio, backup power, RAM and flash memory, almost identical to the guts of an iPhone. What we try to do is convince utilities to buy this device and then install it across all their utilities. So I don't necessarily think that in the aggregate, a larger utility, more meters, more devices, revenue ticket is bigger, first order is bigger. But once every device is installed, we then get recurring revenue every year. So from my perspective, some utilities, yes, they deliver more revenue to us, but the value of each device is pretty much the same. And so economics, we get paid about 100 US dollars for this device, coupled with communications networking to access data, and then the initial software licenses that are embedded on our microchip right here. Okay. We can pay that up front. Okay, so that's awesome. So just so this is a land grab, right? You've got to, you, the more of those that are deployed, the more reoccurring a, a, a kind of annuity stream of cash comes you know, d d downstream. What, so t tell me tell me about what a, what a deal structure looks like. They're paying you a hundred bucks for the hardware, then yep. what does the software revenue look like? So on average, we're getting paid about $4 per, per endpoint, these, per year okay. for 12 to 15 years at a minimum. And so what that means for us is we are just about to approach our three millionth unit deployed for utilities across those 260 utilities. And from that, we'll generate approximately $12 million of revenue each year from those devices. The $12 million disaggregates as follows, $9 million, I'm rounding, but 9 million US dollars is recurring in nature. Every year, that number is growing. And then on top of that, we have some annual services that aren't necessarily recurring, but they're pretty predictable for us every single year. Additional training, um, uh, field service support, system health checks, you know, educating new members of a utility as utilities see new hires come in or people retire. And so, so the services side of our business continues to scale as well. Um, but our goal is it's very much land grab convince as many utilities as possible to deploy these devices as quickly as possible, and then reap the benefit of data that we pull from these devices every year for a 12 to 15 year timeframe. How long have you and been, so as, how long have you been yeah. doing that? Because yeah, the company's been going since 1989, private, and what, January, February, 2021. So yep. relatively new, but, and you've been there since 2014, changing the company into what it is today, right? I get all of that. But when, when does the new company really take off? When, do, when does this digitized age and when do those pieces of hardware actually hit the streets? And, cause, yeah. yeah. So this, this piece of hardware, um, started to get deployed in scale in 2014. Okay. Right around the time I joined the company. Right. It's part of the reason why I chose to, um, join Canalys as CEO. And so we have been now generating and increasing the data. We collect 30 billion data points a year across those utilities um, and are starting to analyze that data through our software and now data analytics. 
which is what's driving that engine for growth of recurring revenue from software and services. The, so, so from my perspective, this device really started to go into the field in 2014, and we've been able to go from effectively a near zero dollars in software and services revenue in the 2013 timeframe to now almost $12 million of revenue in the 2022 timeframe. Software and, um, software and services. And services. So, so um, just software I get, um, well, I want to come back to you, but so services includes what, the, the, the fittings and maintenance? So it's professional services. So we'll have field service engineers, um, technicians, we'll have project managers. Um, we'll have, uh, we have a team that's focused on providing additional training as, as the, the nice thing about this device, much like, I'll hold this one up too. A lot of show and tell today. My iPhone, right? Every every week, I get a request for an update from Apple, right? And there are new features that I can access. There are new apps that I can access as other companies add onto that platform. We're not a consumer product, so it's not an apples to apples comparison. But our services is helping utilities prepare for the installation of these devices the configuration of the communications network to pull data to and from these devices, and then helping them maintain the actual devices, the, the communications network that goes to support this data, and then all of the training and bells and whistles that we can come up with from a service perspective. Okay, great, great. So I guess the margin on that is going to be lower than the software component and then the actual manufacturer the hardware component you, you do the bit at the back do you, do you also do the whole rest of the unit or is it just the bit at the so back what we do is is from our the factory that we support our contract manufacturer builds this device it's connected to this face of a okay. meter which comes from one of the largest meter manufacturers and then we ship this device to a meter manufacturing factory. Yep. They embed it into their device, seal it with glass, ship this to a utility. Got it. Okay. And 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 the, if the, you want me to break down the margins, I totally do. Yeah. Okay. So the margin on this is about thirty-five to thirty-seven percent in the aggregate for all of our devices. The software revenue, the software margins are plus ninety percent, right? High nineties. Our services margins are about 55 to 60%, depending on the region and frankly, our own team salaries, and then what we can actually charge a utility. On a blended basis in Q1 of last year, our gross profit margin for the organization was on a blended basis, all in 46%. Okay, interesting. Interesting. But given it's a land grab, and sorry, and I'm just kind of intrigued at the kind of conversations that go on at board level and, you know, how you, you know, you've got a, you've got a projected growth story, right? And you say it's a land grab and the more units you deploy, 3 million units deployed, are they all, sorry, are the 3 million units all functioning today? Or all, that, fun all functioning at, at four, Correct. at four bucks each. Approximately four dollars each on, on the, on the software recurring revenue side. Okay. Interesting. Um, isn't it, I mean, how likely is it that you could say, do you know what? Forget charging for the hardware component. We'll give that to people for free, but we'll work out some way of increasing the ongoing reoccurring revenue component. Obviously, there's a cost to you to that, but yep. it's a land grab, right? So it's an interesting um, question and one that we have been evaluating, frankly, since um, for several years, especially as we get smarter about 
the value of the software and the analytics we provide. Here's the issue. This is the cash register for a utility. This is how utilities make money. They typically want to own this asset. We're only one piece of this meter, right, in my hand. We're, we're, we're the edge computing. So the thought is, could we give this device away to get more of them in and be that much more competitive? Um, I think if we were to fundamentally, if our balance sheet were able to support that model, it might accelerate our ability to offer a lower entry cost for utilities um, to migrate to our technology and similarly incorporate more of a smart metering and distribution automation and SCADA as a service type offering to drive more than $4 per endpoint connected per year. Um, we are evaluating that. Um, the utility industry is very slow at adopting the concept of a SaaS service offering. Um, we have just started to scratch that surface with an analytics tool that we launched and people will see this through our press releases and, and certainly historic and now forthcoming. Um, we launched our first artificial intelligence data analytics tool. Um, we brought it into market in October of last year. It is the first time in our company's history where we are only offering it on a SaaS basis. Um, we have six utilities that have opted into subscriptions now that are every year that'll add incrementally to the devices deployed at those utilities. Um, we have, I think, seven utilities that are piloting the analytics tool that hopefully opt into then full year recurring licenses to our SaaS offering. And we have 34 utilities within our existing customer base that are waiting to have pilots stood up. And we just are working as quickly as we can with the team that we have today to get those um, pilots underway. That was a lot of detail, but it, it leads us to start to have confidence in our ability to educate our customer base that continues to grow every year and talk about the value of that data such that the utility model can evolve from the traditional own it, buy it versus migration to service offering. And so I think over the next several years, we'll start to play with a more comprehensive evaluation and a more comprehensive model. Maybe we start to sacrifice some margin up front to drive incremental recurring revenue, again, over a multi-decade period of time. And so as we continue to strengthen the balance sheet, as we continue to educate our customer base, as we continue to get confirmation that they're willing to do that, our first putting a toe in the water with an analytics tool, we'll get smarter about how to offer it. And then from there, expand the value proposition that would benefit investors in our business. Okay, and th no, I appreciate that. So um, th there's inertia with enterprise full stop. Not It's not just utilities, I, I suspect, because the thought of one um, changing things is, is difficult because there's a cost to that. There's time delays and potential, you know, re rev affects revenue as well. Um, so you, you're hit by costs, you know, left, right, and center as people are distracted. And, and I know you offer funding solutions for utilities as well. You talk about that in your website, but what, what are the other barriers to you being able to, you know, really kind of drive that growth component? Because it seems like the utilities and services sector in the US is quite fragmented. There's lots of players with lots of solutions, and even some of the utilities have their own, um, um, you know, well, kind of broadly d digital type activity. Um, how do you break into that space 
would you be better in terms of the land, come back to the land grab component, you know, be looking at M&A activity. Would that be a quicker way to kind of get that land grab situation whilst you're playing around with what the offering is, whether it be hardware services and, and, and SaaS services? I mean, how, how are you looking at the growth component? Sure. So we'll, we'll tackle that. And if you want to come back to some of the barriers or challenges separately, we can certainly come back to that. Um, the way we look at growth is we have a multi-pronged growth strategy. The first is to leverage our existing sales channel, which is a combination of our direct sales team, which is about 12 individuals out of the 130 employees that we have in the company today. Um, then on top of that, incremental support proposals and things like that, proposal managers and some ad admin support. But we have 12 direct sales folks, hunters, regional sales managers, farmers, account managers to support existing customers. Our, our sales team then supports about 20 sales channel partners, indirect sales, manufacturers, reps, and distributors. And so step one, or the first component of our growth strategy is use the sales organization, people on our payroll, channel partners that we pay commission to, to get in front of as many utilities as quickly as possible in the region that we're focused on today. Um, and to that end, we're pretty successful. On average, over the last eight years, we have secured 20 new utilities each year. So data point, when I joined the company in 2014, Tantalus was supporting 55 utilities. Today, we're at 265 utilities. Um, and so that's how we are scaling this business. Um, that's the first step of our strategy, win accounts with the sales team and the sales organization that we've built. The second strategy then to drive growth for our business is monetizing that data. That's where the analytics comes into play. That's where our investment in R&D for software come into play because we are today collecting 30 billion data points a year for utilities. So how do we actually monetize that data? That's organic. It also though leads to M&A. And so when we think about M&A, we haven't really thought about M&A just to grab market share. The way we're thinking about M&A, and we've just executed our first acquisition as a public company in January of this year, is picking up software tools, data analytics, or other devices that can layer into and expand the overall offering of the captured accounts and the utilities that we already support to drive revenue synergy. The business that we just acquired is called Congruative, based out of California. Um, they are the first to market on a new standard that's emerging across North America to help utilities integrate electric vehicle charging, solar inverters, microgrids, and battery walls. Um, they are validating that tool or have validated that tool at some of the largest utilities in the United States, Pacific Gas and Electric in San Francisco, Southern Cal Edison in LA, PPL in Pennsylvania. Um, right, three of the largest utilities in the U.S. And through that validation, um, we're now thinking through how do we bring that tool into the existing customer base of Tantalus? The company we acquired had about 30 utilities generating about one and a half million dollars of recurring revenue a year. So relatively small tickets today. But then as they continue to validate and as we witness more electric vehicles, more solar panels, more battery walls, more microgrids, Right? There's an incremental license at each utility as more of those devices start to show up. So our thought on M&A is how do we bolster our product portfolio? 
How do we access more data? How do we connect to more devices? And then how do we monetize that data? How do we monetize the connection? So that's how we think about M&A, but we do have an M&A strategy. The, the third and the fourth and final element of our growth strategy is more international expansion. And you'll see some announcements soon um, coming on, on announcing our first successful project through the acquisition that we've just made, Kangarative, that is just about to get sign off on, on a project in a different region of the world. And that will be the first flag we plant in a new region of the world to then try to bring the rest of our technology into those regions. So it's a combination of win in our home base through our sales team, capture and monetize data through software and analytics, find bolt-on acquisitions that can benefit from that data, but also bring more data in to the organization that we can analyze and then monetize and then start to think about regional expansion. That, that's the way we think about growth. Okay. Because it's been it's been a tough couple of years for you since you listed, right? Obviously, COVID hasn't helped any anyone in, in that in that space. But you know, you've got to start telling this growth growth story now, and, and some of that's got to come through. Well, re- increase revenue, and then hopefully at some point increase profitability in all of this. And I get the some of the parts in terms of the organic component, this you know small uh, acqu- acquisition in terms of feeding it into the into your own ecosystem as, as an additional product. It, all good stuff and maybe international as well. And that, that, that may be good, maybe a distraction. We, we, we don't know how, how that plays out. So can I just come back to sort of, sort of everyday matter? With, with the data element that you're collecting with the software, you've, you're currently charging four bucks, right? Um, so clearly the hardware component is running at, what did you say was, no, so that was blended was 46% margin, but the, the hardware component is hundred bucks and you're making how much on that again? About 35. 35. Okay. Yeah. So that's, a, that's a big chunk of change when compared to an annual revenue of, of you know, four bucks on, on the software component. So how, what, what, with all the data points you're collecting for the utilities, you've got to walk into them and say, Hey, I, I can, I can save you some money. I can make you some money. I can solve some of your current problems. I mean, what are you going in and actually actually saying to them? And what's going to allow you to go from four bucks to, I don't know, 10 bucks, 20 bucks? Where, where, where's the value going to come from as far as the utilities are concerned? And why, why share that with you? So there are um, a, a few paths address that question, but maybe I can give you a, a use case that would articulate value. Is that okay? Please. So... You, you may have seen press in the United States about the rampant wildfires that have been really tragic over the past several years, particularly as it relates to the West Coast and the Southwest region of the U.S., where we continue to have droughts and we have high heat, just like you're experiencing today in the U.K. Um, we've been able to help utilities through our analytics and data from these devices pick up something called a blink. A blink for you and me would be our lights flickering. I don't know if you get that where you are, but I get it in my office quite often. The lights flicker, especially when our air conditioning system kicks in. I know you guys aren't heavy users of air conditioning that could fluctuate and cause issues to voltage and current. But what we've been able to do through an algorithm and building an analytics engine is track where those blinks are happening and how frequently they happen. As we gather that data and as we evaluate where and when those little blinks, those little disruptions in power are happening, we've been able to help utilities triangulate why is it happening? 
it's not just because internal air conditionings come on. Sometimes that's the case internal. More often than not, though, the blink is at the meter. Something's happened at the meter. So what we've been able to do through analytics and working in partnership with a utility in Colorado that operates in the Rocky Mountain region, if you like to ski, not too far from Telluride and Purgatory, they've got long electric lines called circuits that run through the Rocky Mountains and they connect communities on either side of a mountain range. The, the circuits are not accessible by road. The only way to go in and look at them is through a drone or putting somebody in an RV on a four-wheeler with hopefully the right equipment and inspecting the lines about once a year. Can't access them during the winter. And so what we've been able to do is with data and devices is actually identified where the insulation around a long power line was starting to get eroded or impacted because tree branches kept hitting the same place every time the wind was blowing. And so what we've been able to help the utility do is pinpoint exactly where that disruption was happening. In sending in from our data, sending in a drone with video to look and inspect, they otherwise would not have been doing that other than once a year, right? If that insulation issue, that circuit issue had been left unattended, at some point that tree breaks through the insulation and snaps the power line and catches fire. You have a wildfire in the Rocky Mountains. So when we go to talk to utilities, it's not just about how to improve billing or how to improve customer service, as important as those two things are. It's a, how do we help you prevent a wildfire or other drastic outages or other catastrophic events based on data that they otherwise don't have access to today? So when we talk to utilities about that, we're getting smarter on how do we then value that? What's the value of an avoided wildfire? Well, that's, that's, right. that was literally my next question, which is, you know, how do you, how do you value something which hasn't happened yet? which could happen, but they may have picked up as part of their regular checks along, along their um, you know, infrastructure anyway. So that's, that's an interesting debate to have. So how do you come yeah. about it? So the way we think about it is in, in many circumstances, the United States utility industry is fragmented. State by state, there are utility commissions. Um, there is an increasing pressure, certainly with the Biden administration today on decarbonization and a number of other um, environmental initiatives spreading across the United States at the federal level. Um, and what utilities have historically, when they, when they look at rates and rate structure, a component of how a utility commission at the state level or even in the city level, right? They look at what's the power quality, how many outage minutes, you know, fewer outage minutes, better power quality, better score for the utility, they're able to charge more for their services. The inverse is true. More outages or more impact, lower power quality. In many circumstances, that's the utilities not able to charge the same rates, which is counterintuitive, right? You're, you're effectively restricting the utility that needs more money from actually accessing that money from their services. So what we're starting to do is, is we have an ROI calculator Several of those are tied to industry standards that continue to evolve and continue to emerge that tie to safety standards that the utilities have to comply to. The abbreviations I, I, I won't confuse people with, but there are defined standards in the United States that utilities have to report to. That reporting ties to rate structure 
it also ties to credit structure and credit risk. So if our data, our analytics can help the utility improve the performance on those standard metrics, not only does their power quality score improve, leads to higher rates that they can charge, it also leads to lower credit cost or lower credit risk in the eyes of lenders. And so we're triangulating some of that information today to really get to a quantifiable ROI. It's a different approach. It's something that we are still evolving, but I think that's the power of data and the attributes of, of what we're building here at Tantalus. Okay, so what's the size of the prize here? Because um, you've got 3 million units, all of which are operating, you say, and all of which on average four bucks um, per unit. Um, What's population of US? 350, 350 million? How many homes? Roughly 350 million. Right. So how many and homes? That, how many about, a, about 100. They're about a, yeah, they're about, you, you can divide that down to about 120 million to 125 million meters, residential, okay. commercial, and industrial. Okay, 125 million. So you've, you've got a small piece of the pie there. So keep, keep, keep going back to this kind of growth component, which you definitely need to start telling now, because look at the share price. Now's the time to kind of start you know, motoring out of, out of this, um, where you find yourself. You've got good product, you're telling me, um, the data component is something that utilities want, and you've been growing the utility base Meaning, meaningfully, 265 is, is, is pretty chunky compared to where you were a couple of years ago. Um, you, you've got to get each one of them to spend more money with you and hopefully install more units with you. That's all part of your kind of organic growth. And I, I totally accept that. But um, how do you become a more meaningful player? Um, you know, the M&A that you've, you've done is kind of slightly, slightly, slightly you know, it's, it's complementary, but it's not kind of core. Um, how does the M&A help you or do you in fact become one of the takeover targets? How are you positioning yourself? So we're, um, I, I'd say to your last statement, I'll address that first. Our focus is building a good company. Um, we operate under the belief that at times good companies get bought, right? bad companies tend to get sold. Um, I can't control whether a larger organization, multi-billion dollar behemoth either in the utility industry or in the data industry, right? At some point in time, look at Tantalus as an opportunity to access more data or drive more devices into the field. I think we have a very compelling channel and why you disaggregated market opportunity and growth. Let me, let me disaggregate that further. The history of Tantalus is focused on a subset of the electric market in the United States. Within the US, we have the large investor-owned utilities. If you've ever been to New York City, Con Edison, you might recognize that name. If you've ever been to San Francisco, PG&E. Sometimes good, unfortunately, they've had a lot of bad things happen over the last five to seven years that have put them in the press globally, right? Explosions, gas explosions, people dying. Um, and so, but with that said, they do a lot of good things as well. Those are investor-owned utilities. Those investor-owned utilities, publicly traded on the New York Stock Exchange, are about 66% of the meters in the United States. There is then a second segment of the market referred to as public power and electric cooperatives. These are smaller communities. The city of Chattanooga in Tennessee, as an example, owns its own distribution utility. The city of Riverside, right next to Anaheim, where Disney World is in California, it owns its own utility. Those are the utilities that we have historically focused on. They represent about 35 to 40 million meters, of which we have about 3 million. So within our market segment, we have a 
market share. And that market segment is not the easiest to get to because the ticket sizes, the revenue profile is a little bit small. So when we think about potential path, do we get acquired? I could see larger companies wanting to monetize an event and access the channel that we have to get to these smaller communities, electric cooperatives, municipal utilities, public power. That's one path as we think organically, not M&A um, on meaning cannabis becoming acquired, although that might happen at some point. I can't control the decisions of other companies, try to influence them sometimes, but not necessarily control. Um, when we think about growth, our goal is to win more of our target market, public power and electric cooperatives through M&A for the first time, we're now starting to approach investor-owned utilities. It opens up a new area of the market here only in the United States for the first time. Similarly, those software tools that we're buying, we think are very applicable overseas that could help drive growth into other regions without too much risk based on the software capabilities and being able to scale software globally. We don't necessarily have to deploy devices any longer to access data. We can sometimes leverage other systems that utilities have in place on a global basis if our software is able to leverage that data. So that's, that's how we're trying to think about the growth profile of the business. And in my mind, the attributes of, of Tantalus for investors, both our own growth, whether we do that through leveraging our balance sheet to scale through M&A or organic or potentially incremental value through a sale of Tantalus at some point, if that surfaces. Right. And I know you're kind of hedging your bets and, and you've got to be quite careful about what you say and don't say. What I'm, what I'm trying to work out is that someone looking in, what's the scale of the ambition for the company? You're, you're looking, you're chasing the revenue, which is, which is great. Could it be quicker? Could it, could it be scaled more quickly? You know, could you be doing more activity? Because, you know, we're seeing some of, some of the premiums that are being paid for acquisitions at the moment are, you know, kind of embarrassing. You know, people paying 10 to 30%, you know, as a shareholder, I'm like, well, okay. Um, th that's one, one way to go. But if, if we're looking for growth stories, we kind of want to sort of see a little bit of ambition from, from the company likewise. So mm -hmm. do you, do you think you're, so, you're building yourself into a position where you're able to kind of take control of your own destiny a little bit? Or is it still in that kind of phase of we're just trying to work out who, who we are and, and, and what we do and the best way forward? I mean, how do you? Yeah, no. So I'd say on the latter, um, it, it, you'll see behind me, it's not just marketing purpose built. Um, everything we do as an organization is to build a very good company that has a long trajectory. Um, the attributes, if I, if I kind of um, understand the nature of your question, the investment attributes, in my opinion, especially coming out of investment banking when I started my career, first and foremost, we are successful in convincing utilities in our market segment to select us, one. Second, I didn't reference yet, but the retention rate, you'll see this in our materials. Once we get a utility, we have retained, our, our retention rate of utilities is 99.4%. That's not annual, that's over the last 20 years. So once we get a utility, they are with us for an incredibly long time, which if you think about current economic circumstances and current risk assessment in the market, we've got a very sticky customer base that is continuing to drive revenue, that is increasing in recurring nature, right? At pretty attractive gross margins. Yes, we have some near-term negative EBITDA, but that is manageable based on the balance sheet. 
And we are building, in my opinion, an organization that can scale and can be profitable. I'll give you some very specific data points on that. Prior to the impact of COVID-19, which shut down the economy in the United States, regardless of what politicians would say, and, and witnessed utilities not being able to turn off power for people who failed to pay their bill. Right? That's a problem. Utilities lost revenue quickly. Um, that impacted us as an organization. But prior to COVID-19, we were on a growth trajectory and we had a high water mark of 40 $1 million of revenue, close to $42 million of revenue. We also had 18 consecutive quarters of delivering positive EBITDA, not very high EBITDA margin contributions because we continue to invest in our business based on the cash flow that we generate. In going public or absorbing public company expenses, we've seen our revenue erode. We've seen now with supply chain constraints, it takes longer to build devices. We've seen pricing pressure flu inflation. Through all of that, we've maintained very high and stable gross profit margins in the mid to upper 40th percentile on a blended basis, which is great. Um, we have continued to be able to win more utilities each year, and we are seeing our revenue profile get back to where we were prior to COVID-19. As we think forward, you'll see this in announcements that are already public and more that are coming. We are working on yet another next generation device that opens us up to helping utilities deliver broadband services in addition to collecting data on power. It's also going to allow utilities for the first time to actually go behind the meter and into somebody's home or into a building to gain control of an electric vehicle charger. Bilateral relationship with their customer. Um, it's opened up about a half a billion dollar market opportunity that we've identified. We are spending money today in R&D to bring that product to market, and we expect that product to be beta tested the end of this year into early next year with the idea that it will become commercial in 2023. We're building it in conjunction with about 15 utilities. So we're building something that we know utilities need and utilities want. In the aggregate, our pipeline today is almost 800 million US dollars and growing. It's the strongest it's ever been. I think the stimulus dollars here in the United States, as they flow, will help utilities win their fair share. I think we've got the device and the team then to execute on it to get to organic growth. And we can bolster that with some additional bolt-on acquisitions that our balance sheet can support. And to the extent we need to go into the market and raise more money, I think we've got a, a pretty solid investor base that's willing to um, provide additional capital for defined use of proceeds around targeted M&A to the extent we see something that's really strategic.